Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Ready and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference today. Um, if you have a question, we have put a link to a Google form in the chat. Um, if you can fill in uh, your question there, we will be um, using that to kind of go in order of priority. Um, if this is your first time to this conference, you can add a note on that form that you're a newcomer so that we can also move you up. Um, Shri, can you start the first question? Yes. Kondalu. Uh, hi, good morning. Sorry. Um, I have a question regarding my uh, B2. So I'm planning to file B2 as I'm on uh, um, grace period. So I was wondering whether I would be able to apply online by myself or not. Yes. So the B2 can be filed on the I-539 form, which can be submitted online. Um, if it if you have a relatively straightforward case, like you're still in your 60-day grace period um, and you're filing the I-539, um, it's fine to file it on your own online. One of the benefits of filing it on your own is that you can do it online and you'll get the receipt notice as soon as it's submitted. You can access it in your MyUCIS portal. If you use an attorney to file the I-539 application, we are not able to file it online on behalf of someone else. So we would have to file a paper version and then send that through the mail. And then it can take, you know, sometimes two to three weeks for that receipt notice to come back in the mail. So, um, yeah, I would say if you have a pretty straightforward case, filing online for yourself is fine. Uh, next question. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question about my wife's H-1B. Uh, she got H-1B approved in consular process in 2021, which is valid till 2024 September. But she is currently working on H-4 EAD. Um, okay. do, we need, do we need to change the status so that we can uh, we, we can make use of the the H-1B which is approved, or if you do not do before 2024 September, uh, is, is that like a waste or do we need to go through the lottery again? Um, is she working for the company that sponsored the H-1B? Um, H-1B is with a different company, but right now she is working on another company. Both are different at this moment. Okay, is she planning to join the H-1B company at any point? Uh, so... Basically, what we are trying to see is like, you know, if we do not do the change of status. Uh, well, in order we to, to do the, the, in order to activate the H-1B, she has to be, she has to be working for the H-1B sponsoring company mm-hmm. or have an offer to work from them, basically be coming into the U.S. to work for them. So in order to activate the H-1B, she has to go abroad, get the H-1B visa stamp to come back in. 
In order to get the H-1B visa stamped and in order to come in using that H-1B approval notice, she has to represent both to the consulate and to Border Patrol that she is working for this H-1B employing company um, or will work for them once she enters the U.S. on that H-1B. So if she is not and does not plan to work for the H-1B company, then there's no way to really activate the H-1B. Uh, if she does not do before 2024 September, do we need to go through the lottery again? If she wants to work for a different company on H-1B, then yes, she would need to go through the lottery again because right now she's not considered counted um, in the cap. She's not considered counted in the cap until she either gets the H-1B visa stamp or has spent at least one day in H-1B status in the U.S. So if 2024 comes and goes and neither of those have happened, then that one is lost. If she is going to be working for that same H-1B sponsoring employer, they could potentially file an extension for her mm -hmm. uh, but okay. without going through the lottery again, but she can't work for a different company on H-1B without going through the lottery. Can a different employer transfer her H-1B right now? Not right now because she isn't counted. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Raghav. Sure. Uh, hi, uh, this is Raghav. So I do have two questions regarding my visa situation. So I'm currently on H-1B visa uh, and my I-140 is approved with my uh, previous employer. Uh, but I'm concerned about the possibility of being laid off. Uh, you know, if that happens uh, and if I don't find a job within a 60-day grace period, uh, can I move to F-2 visa just because my wife is on F-1 visa? Yes. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so... so if I... Yeah, if I move to F2 visa, uh, can I move? Can I still have an option to move back to H1B once I find a uh, once I find a job offer? Yes. So it used to be more difficult. USCIS seems to have made it a bit easier now, basically, um, because I think the F2. So USCIS recently announced there's premium processing available for F1 change of status. I'm actually not sure if that applies to F2 also. Um, you can look into that. We have a recent article on our website about the premium processing expansion to F1. Um, take a look at that and see if it covers F2 dependence also. If it does, I would recommend just filing in premium and get the F2 change of status approved because once the F2 change of status is approved, you can definitely change back to H1B as soon as you have a job offer. The new company can file the change of status application for you in premium. You could be back in H1B in two weeks. Um, if the F2 cannot be premium processed, then it will be pending. Normally it's pending for several months. Um, but even then, if that's the case, um, USCIS did recently state that in a situation like that, if you're trying to change back into H1B, instead of waiting the several months for the F2 to be approved, they'll process the H1B change of status and the F2 change of status at the same time. So you potentially also don't need to wait very long um, if you have a new job oh. offer. We have an article on that also. In oh, the past, okay. like, Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but my visa on my passport is expired. Uh, I know last year. That uh, doesn't matter. That, so the visa so on I your passport does not control. Yeah, the visa that is in your passport does not control your status in the U.S., Okay. The visa in your passport only determines whether you can use that visa to apply for entry into the U.S. if you are outside the U.S. 
While you are within the US, your status is controlled by your I-94, either from your most recent entry or the most recent approval notice from USCIS. So ma'am, I'm actually located in San Diego. I'm planning to you know, cross the border and get my visa stamped. Uh, so are there any potential issues I should be aware of when getting the visa stamped in Mexico? That is fine. Um, no, the consulates have said that you can get the stamping done anywhere that you can find an appointment. Okay, perfect, thank you. Omapati, Omapati, Raju. Uh, yeah, hi Rebecca, I posted hi. my question. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. I'm trying to see the rest of the question. Um, case status pending. Yeah, that's pretty normal. Um, yeah, we're not really sure why USCIS was sending RFEs for medical exams. Sometimes they're even scheduling in-person visa um, AOS appointments for cases that are not current in the visa bulletin. So there's nothing USCIS can really do. Um, so we're not sure why USCIS has been sending those RFEs and scheduling those interviews, but um, yeah, if your priority date is 2012, then there isn't any final movement that can be done on the case right now. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just pending. Okay. Uh, yeah. So my question is, you know, like, uh, uh, USA is updated. My case is pending and, uh, um, as soon as visa number is available, they will get back to my case. Does mm -hmm. it mean even without my priority days, uh, priority date getting current, can my 485 be approved? Uh, Not right now. Is... Not under the current USCIS policy. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Sure. Dinesh. Dinesh. Uh, hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I already I submitted the question in my form. Basically. I had a H-1B uh, which was uh, granted on uh, 2015 and then, uh, you know, like uh, I I was working for employer one uh, during mm -hmm. that time and uh, I was working in the U.S. till 2018 um, and then I had to return back to India because uh, for personal reasons and then uh, uh, due to, um, you know, circumstances, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I had moved to a different project and my visa actually got expired uh, on 2019 January. Right. Uh, so your my... question is mainly, can you get into H-1B with the new employer now without having to go through the lottery, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I, can okay. I still go with, uh, use the, am I still uh, eligible for uh, uh, H-1B ex cap exempt? Because still I have three more years left. Yes. Uh, my current employer doesn't file H-1B, but uh, can I uh, apply for a H-1B transfer? And So uh, you're not in the U.S. right now, is that right? Yes, I'm not. Okay. Yeah, so if you do get a job offer with a new company in the U.S. that is willing to file your H-1B, they can do so. They don't need to go through the lottery again because... You previously were in the U.S. in H-1B status, right? You said from 2015 to 2018? Yes, that's okay. correct. So since you have been counted in the cap, even if it's 10 years later, you're still considered counted. So a new company does not need to go through the lottery for you. Um, mm -hmm. A new company right now, since you are outside the U.S., it wouldn't really be considered a transfer because a transfer is for someone who's in the U.S. in H-1B status, transferring to another company in H-1B status. Um, a new company at this point would file it as new employment, a new petition, but not okay. subject to the cap. Okay, and still I would be eligible for three years or uh, additional yes. years? Yes, like, mm -hmm. 
you're eligible for all the remaining time you have left in your six-year limit. Okay. So uh, I, I have my employer who is willing uh, to actually get me back there. So it's it's 100% mm -hmm. possible, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they can file it in premium processing so it can be approved pretty quickly, but then you need to go through the extra step of getting the visa at a consulate. So that may take a bit longer. Um, okay. But once you get that visa, you can travel into the U.S. and start working. For the okay. Uh, so will it be like, um, uh, you know, the, will there be a visa interview for me again or uh, is it just a uh, stamping done, getting the stamping done? Um, let's see. I don't recall the cutoff for the interview waiver. Um, I believe if you haven't had a visa for that long, you probably need to schedule an in-person interview at the consulate, but you can check the consulate's website. It has the criteria on there for who's eligible for the visa waiver, the okay. interview waiver. Interview waiver, okay. Uh, but 100%, we can go ahead with the new uh, petition filing. Is that right? Yeah, you don't need to go through yeah. the lottery. Awesome. Um, thank you so much uh, for the clarification. Hello. Hi. Hi. Can, can you hear me, Rebecca? Yes. Yeah, hi. So I'm currently working for a client through, through, through a consulting company for the last six years. And uh, this is my third H1 extension I filed in uh, uh, April of this year. Uh, last two extensions, uh, I don't have any RFE or site visits, but uh, my employer called me today and uh, there is a site visit for you. Uh, and at the same time, uh, I got a full-time opportunity two months back and they started uh, uh, H-1B transfer and that packet is also uh, sent to USCS and that case is not yet started. Packet was received today. Uh, and, and does it going to this site verification is going to impact uh, uh, that H-1B transfer? Uh, uh, will there be any consequences because of this? Yeah. Shouldn't, um, as long as the site visit investigation doesn't, you know, reveal that there are maintenance of status issues, like, you know, if it shows that your current H-1B employer hasn't been paying you properly and that you're not working according to the approved H-1B petition, then there would be maintenance of status issues that could affect the transfer. Um, but if there isn't anything like that, then the transfer should be fine. Yeah, right now, like um, uh, the start date for the new employment is from July 10th. And uh, the, the ESCS uh, requested for, like they, they asked for like 26 questions or something, and they're asking a, a employer to respond back by June 30th. So let's say the, the new company file H-1B transfer under premium processing. Uh, if it gets approved in the next couple of weeks, uh, can I tell my employer who can go ahead and uh, cancel my petition? Yes, what should that's my fine. Uh, okay. So for one thing, the company, your current employer technically does not need to respond to the office. Is it an FDNS um, officer? Do you know a fraud detection national security unit? Uh, I didn't know the much information. They called me this morning. And the, my employer also scheduled, uh, actually scheduled a meeting around 3.30 today. Okay. If it, is, yeah. if it is someone who works for FDNS with USCIS, 
That is a voluntary program. The employer is not required to really answer their questions because a lot of times their questions are really overbroad. They're reaching for more information than they really should be asking for. If it's someone from DOL, Department of Labor, the company does Mm -hmm. need to answer the questions and provide the documents that are being asked for. But if it is from FDNS, um, that's one thing that the company can just reply and say that we because this is a voluntary program, we choose not to respond. Um, Depending on the company though, they may not, some companies are not that comfortable doing that. And so if they do want to respond, they still can. Or if you, yeah, again, since you're already kind of on the way out, if you resign from the company and then as of before June 30th, and as a result Mm -hmm. of that company withdraws the petition, they can just respond to the officer saying that, you know, he, this employee resigned from our company, we've withdrawn the petition, and therefore we are choosing not to answer any of the questions. Oh, okay. And and also employer is telling me if, if uh, any officer call you, try to postpone it until we gather this information. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. How, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if they, that's correct. Like if yeah. an officer contacts you directly, you just tell them that you're in touch with your employer and that you are choosing not to answer the officer's questions at this time. That's all. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, it, it's not going to impact uh, my current status, right? If no, I... you, again, it's a voluntary program. So you okay. and the employer technically are not required to tell them anything. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And sometimes they reach out to the employees because they think the employees will be more worried and more likely to give them information. But um, if what the problem is that if you do end up giving them information that ends up being damaging, then that's much more difficult to fix than if you just say nothing, which is fine. It's completely within your right to say nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Next question. Oh, hi, this is Mopati. So I'm asking for my spouse H4. So we got a, um, we applied for a change of status for my spouse uh, for H4 and we got notice of intent to deny for H4 because of two reasons. So her previous H1B was uh, revoked due to multiple filings and um, the petition was not filed on, uh, on a timely manner because we had a gap of one week from the H1 was revoked and then the H4 was filed. So okay. I need some of how do we uh, proceed with this uh, notice of intent to deny? Uh, let's see. So the H previous H1B was already withdrawn? Yes. Or revoked? Yes. Yeah. It is going to be pretty difficult. Usually when there is a gap in the filing that's pretty short like that, there is an argument that you can make called the nunk pro tunk argument where you basically ask USCIS in their discretion to excuse the late filing. Mm-hmm. And historically, USCIS is pretty flexible on um, excusing the late filing when it's a relatively short period of time, like 30 days or less. And especially okay. for spouses and children of family member of H1B family members. Normally okay. that is the case. And normally that's what I would recommend. However, because in this case, 
Um, there is the added layer of the NOID due to the multiple registrations. We don't really know if USCIS is going to be, um, we know that you know USCIS is kind of cracking down on the multiple registrations. Um, and so it may not be as likely that they will extend that discretion in this case um, anymore. I would say that uh, it is pretty difficult. Do you know from the time that H1 was revoked till now, has it been more than 180 days? No, it's uh, almost a month now since it was revoked. Okay. Yeah. And uh, okay. right now we it's probably recommend that you speak in more detail with an attorney, um, either you know the attorney that you're working with on her H4 or schedule a consultation um, to go through the documents and make sure because for something like this, you want to you know discuss in more detail than what we can get into here. But yeah. in general, my recommendation would probably be for her to go for H4 visa stamping rather okay. than proceed with it, but you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons. The consular processing route, the H-4 visa stamping route also has some risks because we know consulates have, are also starting to become aware of the multiple registrations. So I think it's going to need more discussion of the pros and cons with an attorney and okay. to decide what to do from there. Okay, thank you. Okay. I'll, I'll sure. reach out for the consultation. Too. Okay, sure. Trivedi, Pranati Trivedi. So I have a question uh, related, like I posted the question and uh -huh. it is related to my uh, 60 days grace period on H1B. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I want to ask if I start change of status from H1B to H4 and I receive a job offer right after that, can we cancel or stop H4 processing and file an H1B transfer? Um, so it kind of depends on the timing. If you file the H4 change of status, and then you get the job offer, um, and the new company is filing the H-1B transfer. If the H-1B transfer is being filed still within the 60-day grace period, then that is probably fine to withdraw the H-4 and just let the H-1B transfer proceed, because at that point, the H-1B transfer is still considered timely filed if it's filed before July 11th. If, okay. however, you file for the H-4 change of status and then you don't get the new job offer until after July 11th and the new company is willing to file the H-1B, um, do not withdraw the H-4 in that situation because the H-4, the pending H-4 in that situation is the only thing keeping you in a period of authorized stay. You still need the H-4 after July, uh, July 11th, mm -hmm. but... The new company can still file the H-1B change of status for you. Um, and what UCIS said is that in a situation like this where they receive an H-1B change of status and they see that for this person, there's a pending H-4 change of status, they'll just take both of them. And technically the H-4 needs to be approved first before they can approve the H-1B. Um, but they'll go ahead and do both at the same time rather than it used to be that they would wait the like six to eight months for the mm -hmm. H4 to be approved before they will even look at the H1B. Um, but they oh, did announce okay. a policy recently that they will look at and adjudicate both mm -hmm. at the same time. So hopefully it, 
it shouldn't really, um, you know, lead to more wait time. Mm -hmm. Um, you do have to wait for the H1B to be approved before you can start working for the company in that situation. You can't start based on the receipt notice. Um, okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And, uh, during H4 pending, can I go outside the country and come back, uh, while it's pending? Um, so if you leave the country while the H-4 change of status is pending, the H-4 change of status will be considered abandoned, um, oh, which okay. is not necessarily bad. So it will be automatically denied um, for abandonment. But um, as long as you get the H-4 visa stamp while you're outside the U.S., you can use that to come back in and then you're in H-4 status faster than you would if you waited for the H-4 application. So that would be fine. Um, just be aware that if you do depart the U.S., you need to plan to get the H-4 visa stamp before you can come back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, got it. And uh, yeah, in consultancy, there will be, they, they can uh, do the H-1B transfer and I can join through the receipt notice. So in, in that period, I, I will be on the payroll. So in, in that situation, can I go outside the country and come back to uh, U.S. or not? Um, sorry, I am not sure if I understand the question. So if you have another company to file an H-1B transfer for you within the 60 days, you can do that. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You can start based on the receipt notice. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Mayur. Hello. Uh, I had Hi. a question. So I, hello. I only have 15 days remaining now on my H-1B grace period. So uh, I'm thinking of uh, changing the status to B-2 visa so that I can get some time. Uh, but okay. let's say if I get after, if, if the B-2 is still in process, can I move back to H-1B? Yes. So it's kind of the same principle that we discussed for a couple other questions earlier today. Um, you file the B-2 change of status. And then if you get another job offer, um, after the 60-day window has elapsed, the new company would file the H-1B change of status. Um, make sure that you inform them so that they include the I-539 receipt notice in the H-1B application. That's how UCIS knows that you have a pending B-2 that they need to pull and approve before they approve the H-1B change of status. Good. And uh, let's say, for example, if I have to leave the country, uh, my H-1B is still valid. So in case if I get a job while I'm in India, can I still come back on the same visa or do I need to get a new visa stamping if the new petition has been filed? So if your visa stamp is still val uh, valid, unexpired, um, and while you're outside the U.S., a new company files the H-1B application for you, then you can come back into the U.S. with your existing H-1B visa stamp plus the new company's I-797 approval notice. And you can enter the U.S. using those. Um, the visa stamp in the passport is not company specific. So as long as you are coming in on H-1B before the end date on that visa stamp, it can be used with any company's approval notice. Got it. And if I, if I file for a B-2 visa, uh, would I have to do uh, the same for my wife too? Like also uh, change her status? She's in H-4 right now? She is in yes. H-4 right now? Yes, she's on H4. Okay, yeah, then you both need to file the B2 change of status. Okay, and that can be done online as you said before, right? Yes, yeah, the I-539 okay. application online. Sounds good. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Mohammed, Mohammed, Srini. Oh, hi. Uh, can you hear me? 
Yes, go ahead. Oh, hi. Uh, this is regarding my form. So I already have an I-140 upload, uh, but recently due to COVID, my local office has been closed and our uh, status moved from office to remote. So does it require to uh, file a new form uh, in this case or just an uh, amendment is it's sufficient? Uh, the company that filed your permanent I-140, are they an IT consulting company? Yes, it's an IT company. Yes. Okay. So you you and the other employees kind of change locations pretty frequently depending on the project, right? Uh, no, actually. So we uh, our company has a local offices like, you know, uh, so they filed the poem uh, based on the local office, but you know during the COVID they consolidated all the offices, so they closed some of the offices. So our status moved from you know office to remote. Okay, yeah, it depends a lot on what is listed as the company's work location on the perm form. Um, if the company has multiple locations, but the company address that they used on the perm form is the office that closed. And if there's no other office in that metro area for your company now, basically if they no longer mm -hmm. have any company presence in that metropolitan area, then yes, technically a new perm would need to be done unless they are planning to open another office soon. Because basically the, the perm recruitment and all of that is done from the company's location. If it no longer company's exists. Location. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it'll require kind of the company reviewing the perm forms and working pretty closely with their attorney to determine, you know, if a new perm is needed. Yeah, because my home location, it, it's remained the same. Uh, just the yeah. office has been closed and the status is, you know, uh, so just yeah. trying to understand it. So far, it's a bit of a gray area on whether remote work by employees living in that metro area can kind of substitute for an office closure. I think DOL has not really made that clear yet. I mean, the existing mm -hmm. guidance is that the company needs to have a location, needs to have an office in that metro area. Um, and DOL has not been very quick on kind of revising their guidance in light of sort of the new remote work situations. So I think as of now, it seems like a new perm would still be needed. Okay, okay. thank you so um, much. Sure. So um, we'll need to close the conference here for today. Um, if we weren't able to get to your question, um, our next conference will be on Monday at 3.30, um, the same time. You can also visit our website um, if you'd like to make an appointment with any of the attorneys, um, a one-on-one -on -one consultation. Um, and then just a reminder that, um, that there will always be that link in the chat at the beginning of the conference to um, fill in your question. We kind of go in order that way. So if you weren't able to answer, um, get your question answered this time, um, try to jump on that Google sheet um, early on next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.